I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome, everybody, to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection Podcast, where we look at the things that we loved when we were younger and ask the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and with me, of course, is Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. Hiya! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. I actually, you know what? So I, I went into it being like, I'm going to introduce myself with a hiya, like a, you know, a for lack of a better way to describe it, martial arts sound. Right. I didn't actually think about how it was basically saying hi at the same time. So hiya, how you doing? Or you could have been like, you could have been introducing yourself as if you were just like going to be cosplaying Link in character, just playing Link in character the whole episode. Does that mean our topic is like a prequel to, is it in the Zelda timeline now? I mean, I think uh, given, if you're on the right websites with the right theories, everything is in the Zelda timeline somewhere. That's fair. Somewhere between Zelda 2 and Mario Kart Deluxe. It's just always like before Wind Waker? Somewhere in there. It's like the secret third timeline of Zelda. Anyway, this is we're not here to talk about Zelda. Yeah, and there are three official timelines. This has nothing to do with with what our actual topic is. But before we get to that topic, we have to introduce our guest, the person who brought the topic. We have a great guest this week. Very excited to have him here. It is Corey Hatfield of Corey's Got Questions. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm excited to be here and talk about some ninja stuff. Well, we're ninja excited to, to talk ninja stuff with you. Now, for anybody who might not know your show, maybe hasn't uh, checked it out yet, what is Corey's Got Questions all about? Oh, thank you for the plug. Corey's Got Questions is a podcast where the guest brings the topic and the host brings the psychology. So basically, any interesting story or passion of my guest, I ask psychology-based questions on what they want to talk about. So we've had people on that are sports enthusiasts. I've had an online dating coach. So I was talking about the psychology of online dating. Um, I've had nine things that your therapist wants you to know. Uh, so we've really kind of run the gambit on different types of topics that we can cover. Are you a th- are you a therapist in real life? So I'm actually a certified school counselor in the state of Kentucky, and I work for uh, something that's called a social emotional learning program. Basically, a school based program where we bring in psychological constructs to help the entire school community, teachers, students, and parents. That must have come in real handy in this past year, I can imagine. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's been a tough year in education for sure. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's really great. And I'll be excited to hear all your psychological takes on the, the boys <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> we are talking three ninjas knuckle up this 1993 or 1995, depending on where you live. Uh, martial arts comedy films about three brothers, Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum, as they help the local native community fight against a toxic waste company both figuratively and literally toxic work culture in that company. I think like, okay, get off the show. <laughs> Just go. I'm, what, I'm, I mean, it's legit. Clean it's your desk. Clean your desk out. Get out. It's not doing great on Glassdoor. That's it's, all I'm saying. It's true. No, that, that guy, <laughs> the cartoony villain who did, okay, no, we're not, we can't, we can't get there too yet. We, we still have to get through our own personal histories with the topic. Corey, you brought this, to us uh why don't you give us your personal history why'd you decide to pick three ninjas knuckle up you know i thought about that a lot david it's a movie that i had no memory of at all because i think it came out it came out in 95 where i live so i was six years old at the time so i think i probably watched it a lot between the ages of six and seven and uh no real memory of it i think it's just the cadence of the title that's always stuck with me Three Ninjas, Knuckle Up. Like the title alone, that it's pretty awesome. And it's really an intriguing title. Uh, yeah, I think that's why it stuck with me is because that title. I mean, it definitely is an intriguing title. Also has nothing to do with the film. Um, nope. There were knuckles <laughs> in the film. Nick, do you have any history with Three Ninjas? 
I mean, I have the history of watching at least three of the four films uh, as a child. Yeah, that's that's probably about it. I mean, I three ninjas is something that I think about like once a decade now. Like it's just sort of like I'm, you know, cooking some eggs for breakfast, and I'm like, oh yeah, three ninjas, that was a thing. Um, so in terms of like a, a lasting impact, there's probably other things that I've forgotten before three ninjas. Mm-hmm. So that's significant. Corey, tell me what that means. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, there really wasn't anything like there was the films like I don't remember there being like three ninja toys or anything like it didn't. The first film, I think, was pretty successful. But other than that, like it was kind of a franchise that sort of got relegated to like the direct the TV type of features like it just it didn't it didn't have staying power, uh, neither in the market and in, in my mind and yet uh, or in my life. I should four say of them. I don't yeah. they made four of them. Yes. Yeah. Did Mega Mountain ever like? Did that even go to theaters? Yeah, who doesn't, doesn't matter. No knows. one even remembers the. Four, it's like a. It's like a weird fever dream. I think with Hulk Hogan um, in it. Yeah, it's a, it's a. It's a weird one. <laughs> Everyone knows Hulk Hogan isn't real. Um, <laughs> so yeah, long story short, I, I have a history with. It. I've. Wa- I remember watching the films. I remember actually really enjoying them as a kid with my brother and I. Um, we probably would have loved to be ninjas we didn't understand the historical context of ninjas uh at the you know like i don't really want to be an assassin that's kind of like what they were uh but films to me as a kid were definitely enjoyable uh and i also saw it in 1995 because i'm not from south korea fyi spoilers (laughs) yeah i do think about you well i do think uh speaking of what you're saying nick i think i related a lot with this movie because i'm the youngest of three brothers Mm. Mm -hmm. So it kind of a reflection of my own family life so you, growing you up. Were the, you were the tum tum of the group. As okay. I I was going to try to make it those podcasts not being labeled tum tum, but <laughs> <laughs> arguably the worst of the ninjas. But yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like the two of you. I probably watched these movies growing up. I don't really remember them. The only reason that I remember them at all is because in the first one there is a chant that they do uh, because there's like a neighbor girl, Emily, that Rocky, the oldest of the brothers, is like into. And so the younger two brothers chant like, Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves Emily. And that was a thing that some friends of mine in high school who were really, uh, really kind of the impetus for my interest in nostalgia because they, in high school, we're always like, oh, three ninjas, hook, all these things were so great. And I was like, they're not really, right? Like, I'm not crazy. Hook is great. Hook is not great. Hook is hook terrible, is, and we will we'll discuss it on the show. It's ama- the worst sorry, Spielberg Cordia, film. I'm sorry to be here for this. It's, no, <laughs> we're not. We're not it, hasn't even, it hasn't even started on Hook yet, but we're not talking Hook. <laughs> That's uh, a whole season. Yeah. I, <laughs> I also conflate this movie, or not this movie, it's three ninjas in general with surf ninjas because... Mm. In Surf Ninjas, there is a, a Sega Game Gear that one of them, because there's three of them, um, but arguably more uh, accurate represent, at least more Asian representation than these movies have. And one of the characters has a magic Sega Game Gear that allows him to like beat the bad guy in the end. And for some reason, when I was thinking Three Ninjas, I was like, yeah, it's the movie with the magic Game Gear. So haven't seen either of those in a long time, and they just in my brain, pretty much melted into one, which I think is uh, more or less excusable. You have to appreciate the unbridled creativity of the early 90s. With, with the naming of, of Surf Ninjas and Three Ninjas yeah. and Beverly yeah. Hills Ninja? Yeah, also I mean, like and the complete lack of awareness for, like, <laughs> you know, representation and other such things. They're just like, ninjas are cool. Let's make a movie about them. However, we can't have too many Asian people in so, like... <laughs> Their Asian grandfather, white boys. Yes, their their Japanese grandfather played by a Chinese actor. They're like we got Victor check. Yeah, yeah, it's good. He's close, close enough. Uh, but Victor Wong is a is a is a great actor. But we'll we'll talk oh, more yeah. about him and and many other things with this podcast here in a minute. Before we get to that, though, we need to get to our well, we got to our personal histories. The topic we need to get to the world's history with the topic nick can you tell us about it yeah there was there's not a whole lot of history with the world so uh 
let's dive in. Uh, Three Ninjas Knuckle Up was filmed in the same year as the original Three Ninjas film uh, had been released, but was released as the third installment after Three Ninjas Kick Back. It was directed by Shing, Shin Sang, I'm Sing Ok, Sing Ok, Sing Ok, go. Sing Ok, under the pseudonym Simon Sheen. It features the return of Michael Trainer as Rocky and Chad Power as Tum Tum. The actors did not appear in Kickback. Max Elliott Slade appeared in the first three films. No one returned for High Noon at Mega Mountain because did you even know High Noon at Mega Mountain existed? Sorry, I wrote this before we already brought up High, so it doesn't like work now in context. <laughs> All your like, great jokes ruined. Everyone just pretend <laughs> that you know oh, High Noon. I never heard it. Okay, cool. Knuckle Up, which would actually be a dope name for a Streets of Rage S side scrolling brawler game, uh, released first in South Korea in 1993. I, like everything I've written, we already talked about. And later in 1995, in the United States, it received mostly negative reviews upon release. Another important thing to mention, and kind of where I want to start this movie is PG 13. Yeah. Why? Who is it for? Right, you're three <laughs> main characters, and that's uh, apparently fans of the franchise, which I don't know, but, like the three of them that got together to talk about it, uh, blamed this movie doing so poorly. It made less than a million dollars in the U.S. They blamed the fact that it was PG-13 for the reason why it did so poorly. I don't think it would have done great if it was PG, but it probably would have done better because your main characters are like a 10-year-old kids. Why would yeah. you make this movie dealing with PG-13? really dark and heavy themes that apparently twelve-year-olds can't handle? <laughs> There's True. a cutoff for these type of themes. Well, then you also you watched the first movie yes. by accident. Okay. Yes, so um, there so, was some so miscommunication. You tell us, like, so the first one was really successful and I think made millions. So, which I do what, think I need to apologize about oh, that publicly. No, it's because, still, on air, Corey, apologize right it's, now. It's given me it's given me some great context going into this one. Speaking yeah. of which context, it, so is, is what am I trying to say? Is Knuckle Up worse than the original film? Like, Holy. maybe it is, but I mean, like, are they existing in the same league? Like, are they all bad? Which I mean, they were, yeah, because they were filmed at the same time. I'm interested to hear this. Yeah, yeah, I would say this movie, maybe like the action sequences, I think, are a bit better. Like the the actual fighting is better and more like enjoyable than the first one. The first one is basically three set pieces. The first one is uh, they're with their grandfather doing their ninja training, and then they go home, and then three guys spend a very long time trying to kidnap them, and which which they they fail at doing, but then other people show up and kidnap them very easily. So that whole plot point was useless. And they get taken onto the ship of the bad guy, and their dad's like a federal agent who's hunting him down. It's like a really simple but also really like stupid plot, and a lot of it is like very wacky. And the the bad guy ninjas, my, and we don't even get to talk about this, but I'm I'm gonna bring it up since since you uh, have have given me this stage. Thank you. All the bad guy ninjas wear safety goggles the whole time, like they're in full ninja outfits, but their eyes they just have they have safety goggles on, and the the bad guy in the movie says the line, like, I love being a bad guy. God, I love being a bad guy. <laughs> that is a line a human being says in this film. It's phenomenal and, and horrible. All this to say, I don't see any difference between these the, the two of them that would have made this one PG-13 and that one PG, because there are a lot of guns in the first one. There is a scene where they have the neighbor girl mentioned earlier, Emily. They, they, the kidnappers have taken her hostage and have a gun to her head in front of the other three small children. So there's, oh nothing, there's nothing in here that is worse than that. So I don't know. Well, I mean, there is a torture scene in this one. Is there? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a straight up torture father. scene. Oh. Um, yeah. What was her name? Of the of the girl, there's Joe's Joe's dad. Joe's yeah, Joe Joe's dad. Yeah, yeah. he and, he gets tortured. That's pretty rough. That that is rough. Yeah, I'll I'll give it that. And I, I mean, he gets say, slapped, but he already looks pretty beat up when they introduce him. Yeah, well, and the, there's like fights to the death in the first one. I the scene in this one, there's a scene that really upset me, and that is early on uh, when they are in the pizzeria, and. Joe comes in to talk to these like these three grown men. Joe is an 11-year-old girl, mm-hmm. thereabouts, and they 
turn around and are just incredibly cruel and mean in like ways that is very upsetting. They like pour a beer on her. I, uh, I had a hard time with that scene. And that's like the setting the tone for the movie. And everyone is just watching. Everyone yeah, is right. just sitting there like, oh boy, sucks to be her. God, that's I'm with you. That's at the beginning of the movie. And remember, I had no memory of this movie. So I was watching it. And I was like, oh no, I have to talk about this publicly. Yeah. <laughs> During so, that scene. And what, what, it's, you uh, think, what is this establishment that serves pizza, beer, and has video games? I mean, it's, it's a, a cool place. It's, it's a rad place to be. But it also, like, you know, it holds up the, the cronies of the local bad guy doing whatever yeah, they right. want. I mean, it's, it's not, the whole town was there. It's like not in, in, in the real world schemes, not that I've had to run across this very often in my life, only a few times. But just, I mean, like, there are. You know, there are people that kind of run amok in a town that aren't necessarily held accountable and, you know, cause trouble. And then because certain people are in their pockets, they can get away with it. Um, so something like that isn't necessarily unrealistic. But the, just the it was more that like it was such a muted, co- like one sided muted confrontation that like you know, she comes in, she confronts them. They start harassing her. And like all the adults are just like. No one can see my face because this isn't a visual medium. But you guys can appreciate what I just you know, like, ooh, good. Dumb, you know, dumbfounded face. There's like, yeah. yeah, there's like no reaction from there. They're just watching like it's like a TV show. Yeah. Someone's um, like, oh, somebody should do something. And <laughs> as a set piece, I mean, it's more than likely was set up that way because ultimately the boys would step in and start ninja chopping. That sounds bad. Um, you know, the, the bad guys. But from like a realistic standpoint, it's also like not even one adult was just like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> right. Mm. That's what I'm saying. It's right. And I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of us here, but I think it points out this issue with the whole movie that I picked up on, which was like, pick a lane. Are we going super serious with this? Or are we going like more cartoonish? And because yeah. I did get senses of like Home Alone type themes mm-hmm. where the villains are like just these buffoons and ooh, and they're falling everywhere. Yeah. And I feel like the movie would have held up better if they would have stuck more in that lane where it's just like, you know, they do some ninja flips and they did some of that action sequences where it's like, they do a ninja thing where they hop up on something and they go, Oh, and they fall into something. Yeah. And it's a little bit more lighthearted and entertaining, but they have this weird mix of the buffoon villain. And then also these children that have to defend this girl (laughs) by beating up these guys, these full grown men. And the whole it. film, the adults like basically just leave it up to the kids. They even like thank them at one point. Yeah, yeah. like you had the courage to do what, what we adults did not. It's a shame we grown-ups didn't have the courage and the wits to do what you young people have done. Over yeah. <laughs> over that fight sequence, after like the the really disturbing uh, part where these grown men harass a, a girl in front of a, a I, I just can't get over that that part. Uh, <laughs> but then when they get the actual fighting starts, this like you know, plucky banjo-y Western music starts playing that it makes it like, oh, look at them beating up these grown men in a pizzeria and we're doing it to banjo tunes. And also, it, there's this, there was a yeah. thing in the first one as well. The music, whenever they'd like, be fighting, there'd be this like happy little jaunty music. It was really weird. That's what I'm saying. Like they can't pick a lane. Yeah. Tone-wise. Also, it's like they're set- contradicting themselves. Setting-wise, like... I, I do. You watched the first one. I don't remember the second one either, but like the, their grandfather's cabin is in like a forest. It seems well forested. That's my word. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they end up in sort of like a dusty, flat Midwestern town. How? Where? And then they're in New Mexico for parts of it as well. So, right. <laughs> but like, it, it, has it always taken place in that area? Like, I don't remember there being like a dusty Midwestern town in, in, no. in the first one. No, the first one, I mean, they're at the cabin with the, with the grandpa, then they immediately like go home to suburbia. It's all just like, it's all California. I look forward to the next one when it's, they're in the forest at their grandfather's cabin and then suddenly are in like Antarctica. Well, <laughs> like right. down the street. Yeah, right. And when they're, when they're learning what the flowers say. Yes. Only the three ninjas can save the polar bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so that's a good point. Polar bears are dying. Let's just be honest. Climate change is real. Also, like this film for 1990 was filmed in 1991. Mid-90s. But okay, it takes in the, the general 90s. Yeah. 
foggy time period. Um, like the two major conflicts of the film were basically systemic oppression of Native Americans and the degradation of the environment by corporate greed, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really heavy topic for, well, I mean, it was PG-13, so we know 13-year-olds can handle it. But technically for young children, um, not unheard of, I think, even at that time. Uh, and it feels more relevant today. Um, but I do agree, like what you were saying, Corey, was that when you're dealing with these really heavy themes and and then it gets into this cartoonish slapstick, you know, ballad of of weird grunty sounds that all these like full-grown adults make when it's like, wow, 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 as they sit on a cactus or something like. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And well, that brings up another point that, you know, obviously this was filmed in, I think, 91, 92. So there are certain elements of it that did not age well, uh, particularly what how they, you know, what they call the Native Americans in the movie. Uh, so it's just interesting to see how we've progressed as a society in certain elements. But if you just changed some of those small things, you can make this movie today. And as you said, Nick, it would feel just as relevant to today's society as it did almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Which in some cases is really sad. It's kind <laughs> yeah. of pretty sad. If, if I have to give this movie credit for anything, I, I will give it this small little bit and that is the number of native actors they had in the movie i i was pleasantly surprised by that they didn't have at least as far as i could tell i didn't scrutinize super close but they did not have like white guys in in makeup portraying this the the group of of native americans and i i will give it that at the very least That, that 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 is something that still like today is a bit of a struggle to get actual yeah. indigenous people in indigenous roles in in film and TV. It was a uh, yeah, it was pretty respectful of the Native American culture. Even there was one scene in particular where the Native Americans were uh rewarding the ninjas and gave them some eagle feathers and I was like just waiting for the other shoe to drop with the kids Did- making some joke about it, but no, they were the whole time you could tell that they were like very respectful of what was happening. I was so worried in that yeah. scene that they were going to turn around and be like, and now we will give you, we will give you tribal names or native American name or something like that. I was like, Oh no, please no. Cause I like, already, we haven't talked about uh, the fact that it's called three ninjas. And uh, we mentioned briefly that the, the one Asian character is the wrong kind of Asian for the character they're kind of playing. And uh, really there's no mention of Japanese culture kind of in any sense, but they're given ninja names and I just like, like I Tum-tum. thought, yeah, like Tum Tum, Rocky, Colton, Tum Tum. And I, I, I mean, yeah, I could see you're a grand, like, you know, the grandfather, he's like, he's a serious guy. And like, he trained, like he puts him through real training. I mean, quote unquote, real training. Um, but also like, he's clearly like a jovial dude. Um, and I can see sort of like, yeah, I'll give you guys ninja names. And then he gives them these you know, dumb names, that, that not they, like they're legit ninja names. That they immediately are like, these are our names now, and go home and are like, <laughs> yeah, everybody what must are call real us names. I, I don't remember or care. I know. But since we mentioned the grandpa, <laughs> it's pertinent. Can we, can we talk about the hot tub scene? Because I laughed. When they, <laughs> when they cut to the hot tub, and there's a grandpa sitting in there, and these three boys just <laughs> massaging him. <laughs> He was worn um, out. He had a long day of fighting. He needed. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all part of the training, I guess. There was a few scenes like like that. I mean, throwing it back to the the torture scene, they see the man getting tortured, and they're like, "All right, guess let's let's get out of here." So then they leave <laughs> and go back to get his daughter to take her to go save him because apparently that's what they needed to do. Mm. And I'm like. Oh, all right. I guess we're leaving now. We're not waiting to no plan from here. It, yeah. And yet later she would get kidnapped and Rocky's like, we have to go after them. And one of them is even like, shouldn't we tell anybody about this? And like, <laughs> they don't even know where they're taking her. So let's all get into a car and go chase after them and beat up a motorcycle gang. I, I was, I was like, why go tell an adult, go tell anybody. They yeah. wouldn't have been as effective, David. It needed to be these three boys. They they didn't have the same kind of training. I, it's it's. I mean, it's true, right? We they did not. 
They, they, it's these, true. these kids have been trained since birth. They have been made to into be weapons. Stone cold killers. Oh yeah. <laughs> the um, what was I going to say? Back on the the Native American front, it was. It's. I mean. It, I agree that on 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 some level it it was it was definitely more respectful of you know like they weren't making necessarily jokes at the Native Americans' expense or anything, um, which was good. But in the context of the film as well, and just the fact that they it's on one hand it's like I celebrate it for tackling something significant like systemic oppression of Native people, and at the same time it falls into that same pitfall of like a white savior complex where this community that's trying to defend itself cannot do so effectively. And yet these three pre-adolescent boys, you know, take out the bad guy and save the day. Yeah. Wait, 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 Nick, are you saying this movie has problems? (laughs) For shame. I I was, I was, I was flabbergasted. I went to the movie thinking it was going to be perfect. And I didn't realize I was going to have this much to critique about it. (laughs) I mean, with the title, like three ninjas knuckle up. I mean, what do you expect? Knuckle Up is a cool title, it's though. A cool title, yeah. But what is it? What is it? What does that mean? What does Knuckle Up mean? Knuckle Up, David. Just knuckle like, Up. You know, put your fist up. You're ready to. You're yeah, ready to duke, duke it out. Up. Then why in yeah. the why in the poster are they kicking? I don't know. That should have been the kickback poster. Maybe I think you need to kick back and relax about these concerns. I don't know. I, I quit. I know. I had to stop with these. I guess I had to stop. <laughs> the problem Corey. why why do i make these comments <laughs> <laughs> well if you want a bit of psychology tidbits Go. um erickson's uh psychological stages of development have you guys heard of it heard of it right <laughs> i mean i have a bachelor's degree in psychology and i'm gonna say i probably learned it but i'm also gonna say no so go on <laughs> well i mean it's just interesting because we have been saying well, why didn't they get an adult right but it kind of makes sense if the movie is created and geared towards that age group of seven to 12 year olds, because according to Erickson, that is when they're in their competency stage or what he calls the industry versus inferiority. So that's the complex. Are you going to have a sense of industry or are you going to have a sense of inferior inferiority? I got it there eventually. Yeah. Basically the question, can I make it in the world? Mm-hmm with people like am i going to be able to succeed as a person that's the big question that children are dealing with at at that age so it makes sense that the heroes protagonists of the story you know have completely succeeded in that complex and they don't need an adult they can do it all themselves so when you think of it from that way of who is it who's it marketed towards it makes sense oh yeah or of course us as adults we're like this is this is ludicrous you know obviously they need to go they need to go get an adult like please <laughs> kids out there listening if you're ever in trouble right that's that's tell really a trusted adult if you watch if you watch somebody get kidnapped don't take the car and chase mm-hmm. them don't try to drive the car yeah <laughs> though that did lead to i will say by the one line that really made me laugh was after they had taken the car and they went and, and fought the the western town full of bikers which i'd like to revisit and, and expand on a bit but at the end, they're like getting ready to leave, and they, their only way to go is again Rocky driving the car. And Tum Tum stops and is like, "Do you think buses run out here?" What are you waiting for? You think buses run out here? Come on! Yeah, and I was like, "That's a good joke. That's that's good." <laughs> Tum Tum had some good lines, like like there's a moment where I forget the exact context, but his final line is like, "I hate peace." Yeah. Um, which immediately made me imagine just this like hypothetical future installment of three ninjas, except like it's a dystopic future and the other two brothers are dead. And you know, Tum Tum, despite being like the the jovial one, has like shed his chubby charm and is just like the gritty veteran, like just like tr- trying to live a peaceful life, but gets pulled in one last time. And um, that's Tum Tum. Anyway. And they're, they're, just, they're just like, peace. He's like, peace. Peace. What is that? <laughs> I have never, knuckles up. I, I thought I hated peace, but now it's all I want in this world. <laughs> uh, the R-rated Three Ninjas reboot, but it would just be called like One Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> with or like one, the three crossed one, out with like a blood mark or something. One third ninjas. And he's got like 
he's got like a knife in the throat of like the bad guy and he's just like who who are you and he's like i'm tum tum you know it's, <laughs> i mean like is tum tum batman is that like the prequel is this the prequel to batman okay poll for the audience who is better tum tum or batman there's who only would, one who clear would answer win in a fight i'm talking about kid tum tum in the context of the of the film tum tum would be batman Batman would like slip on a banana peel and hit his head on a beam and then land on a cactus and Tum Tum would just be eating like a licorice stick or something. I mean, yeah. That's, that's why he's and, called Tum Tum. And they would have that bizarre sound mixing in the background of the whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the three, exactly. something, they, got, they had like the three stooges sound effect library. <laughs> like we gotta yeah. put that in here. Because when they, a guy, perfect timing to talk about the western town scene they just go ham on a biker gang it is like a 20 minute long sequence of them beating up a biker gang and my, i love too when like the last group of adults runs into like the church that they're like hiding in and they look outside the window like all right i think we're safe in here <laughs> you're hiding from children <laughs> I, I will say i remember the jukebox scene that one did spark that a memory was ridiculous me. It, it was, but I've got to be honest, there was a deep part of me that secretly enjoyed it. I'm like, this is funny. Like, it's so comical and just silly. That's like, if they would have done more of like this, I think it would have probably had a you know longer half-life as far as lasting. Possibly. <laughs> I, I was going through my notes here. And speaking of like the weird sounds and stuff, I forgot. I, I wrote this down because I noticed it. There's a scene where somebody is on the phone and... You can hear like the other person's on the phone, but it's that it is that cartoony like. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I had a double take when I heard that. I, I, I it, it took me a little bit to realize that it was just like gurbling sounds. No, I'm sorry, I woke you up, Jack. No, no, everything's under control. It, the Indian Jack, the kids kind of got him. Charlie Brown teacher. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like all right, we've got we've got their we've got their tribal leader. We're ready to kill him so we can move it on their territory. That's just the, that that's the perfect dichotomy of the movie, right? There. <laughs> it really. So on the weapons again, like it's also a film where the weapons were ineffective against three children, and like there's a lot of scenes where it had the classic like the bad guys would like wait to get kicked in the nuts. You know, there yeah. was no like really like all right. I got to stop this kid. So I'm going to like dogpile him. It's just like you come up to him and Tum Tum's like, hold on a second. And then he's, they're like, what? And he's like right in the balls. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, but then there's other points like where they have these guns or they have like batons or metal bars and stuff like in the scene where they uh, rescue uh, Joe's father, you know, and they're like, I mean, they're really throwing them. Like they're really trying to like whack these kids heads off their kids. Like, and also like we're talking about like the people in like the white, like uniforms like these people were are not being paid by the toxic waste management company <laughs> down kids like i don't think yeah, their job is so are, on the line that right. like these they're are like, dedicated um, like janitors and, and like yeah, I, yeah, I mean they're probably relatively skilled pe- i don't i don't uh, actually i really don't know what goes on in a waste management company other than managing waste but like i imagine that in some of the jobs there like it actually requires a certain level of skills to handle so they're probably really well paid but i still don't think they're paid well enough to be like okay yeah i guess i will try to bust a kid's head off to keep my job i would love a reboot just from a random adult's perspective like that <laughs> garbage you know guy just going to work and someone's like hey you gotta go beat up an 11 year old he's I, just like you're the boss <laughs> i would love it if it's like it's just like a serious movie like a like a normal like drama about this everyday this guy's everyday life and then just in the middle of the movie, there's the scene where three children were attacked by children. Yeah, <laughs> run, they just come in and like beat him up, and then like he loses his job and his life like goes down the toilet. And it's, it's really, really. What did I go wrong? <laughs> why did I let those kids beat me up? I'm an adult. <laughs> why also, could... why did I try to murder children? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Speaking of the weapons being ineffective, there was one scene that. They're at the campfire with the Native American ritual. And then the bad guys show up in their Jeeps and they just have so many weapons. I mean, they're loaded to the teeth with just like assault rifles, shotguns, snipers, everything. And uh, 
they're there, they're chasing everyone off. And then all of a sudden grandpa shows up to save the day. And then the weapons are just, they're just gone. They're just right. mysteriously gone. I don't know if you guys noticed that, no, but I was like, I, I where did, are the I AKs? I realized that they weren't being used at all. I, I also understand it's a kid's movie, but yeah, you're right. They just apparently left them all behind. They were, they were like, Hey, they don't have any weapons. We should really play like, okay, guys, guns back in the truck. Come on. Let's they do are this. polite henchmen. I mean, like I said, they wait to get punched in the nuts. Like you can't get that kind of chivalry anymore. <laughs> we, we talked about that in the the second Ninja Turtles movie, where like you'll have fifteen guys surrounding the hero, and then one at a time they go in after him, and uh, and just get and get the like, all right, okay, all right. Ted went. Now it's my turn. After I go, Ronnie, you're gonna if, if they somehow get me, it's all up to you. There's a, there's a list. There's like a Google yeah, Doc they, or they something for like, this. Or a spreadsheet where it's just like <laughs> this is how we're gonna map it out. <laughs> Since um, we since we mentioned the campfire scene again, can we talk about the dance? Oh, David, you weren't a fan of the dance. <laughs> you can't tell me that music wasn't catchy. So they they are they are at this ceremony, and then uh, one of them says to Rocky or Colt says to the other, "Like, let's show them our dance." And then this music starts out of nowhere that that you mentioned. And they the, start. The, they probably aren't hearing, right? Like we're hearing the music, but they're just dancing to silence. A drum. It's or, a, yeah. or just a drum. Yeah. It, it's a highly choreographed dance that then several people at this campfire join in on. Well, I mean, I will say this: the whole movie, because it was filmed in such the early '90s, it had like this '80s vibe to it, mm-hmm. where the impossible is just normal stuff like that happens. Where it's beautiful. Let's do a, a dance off, and then everyone knows the moves. Like music comes out of nowhere. Lots of montages. Yeah, had a very big '80s feel. Well, yeah, I mean, it was right there. I mean, people from the '80s were still alive in 1992, so I could see why they were probably <laughs> bringing some of that influence forward. <laughs> I mean, you're you're right, Nick. A lot of people that were alive in the '80s were still alive in the '90s. That yeah, I don't know why you're repeating out. what I said. I I I understood it. People, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, it was just such uh, a bizarre. I guess it comes back to everything we've said before. Where just like the tones of this movie are so all over the place and erratic that I probably should not have been surprised by the dance scene, but it was it was a total shift in a whole other direction that I wasn't expecting nor prepared for. And it sort of goes back to the discussion of the, the how the Native Americans were treated. I mean, obviously they're treated like crap in the film by the, the the villains, but also sort of like how are they presented, you know, to the audience. And this is something where, like, more or less up to that point, they, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for Native people, but it seemed like they were being treated pretty respectfully. And then it's just like, hey, this clearly like everyone is in traditional garb. Like, there's this really important ceremony, and then they're like, let's do like uh, an Americanized ninja kicking, you know, dance flash cover. mob dance thing with like little techno beats. And that's where I think it kind of went off. And was like, was this really necessary? Like, well, during this like clearly like in context important, you know, native ceremony. You know, always prepared for a dance flash mob is not a stereotype I've heard about indigenous people. And I'm not sure if it's racist or not. We don't have to figure it out now. That's the knuckle scratcher. It's a, <laughs> oh. knuckle, knuckle scratcher. <laughs> uh, well, if you look on YouTube, that scene is probably the most watched scene from the movie. I mean, uh, I get why. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to, in like two weeks, be like, did I dream that? Did I make that up? <laughs> I, have to, I have to go make sure that was real. I mean, I fully plan 4th of July play that at my cookout yeah. all right everybody get up out of your chairs Great. all right we all know the moves we we all remember how this it's one literally goes. innately built into us <laughs> it's true um let me let me think what else was going on in that incredible film that we watched uh David, now, you had a there was a the cl- okay so the climax so for me this is the kind of climax that always bothers me because like you said, there's like a 20 minute fight scene with this in this like dusty abandoned town. Well, um, the, the, the hearing, the town hearing is going on where Joe's father um, is going to present evidence for how the toxic waste management company is mismanaging, blah, 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 blah. And like the whole thing sort of hinges around like, does he have the information or doesn't he like, he knows Joe has been kidnapped. So he's like ready to do what the evil dude wants him to do. 
and somehow the kids get from the presumably miles and miles away town while like the father goes to the bathroom and back you know while sort of hemming and hawing about what he's about to do and then like they get there at the last second it's like oh no everything's fine well um so the the villain you're right yes that that is like a typical sort of uh you know movie like this like the the build-up kind of goes but that that scene also when uh when the bad guy kind of has his moment of winning right like oh the 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 guy's not going to testify he gave him false information great i've won he then goes up to him and it's like okay now give me the real disc but he doesn't do it outside the court he doesn't do it when they're in the bathroom together he does it in the courthouse while the hearing is like just taking a breather They've just yeah, earshot of the judge, just like, give yes. me that floppy. That's yes. evil. Like, also, I love that everything was hinging on a floppy disk. Oh, yes. Yeah. If, that, if mm-hmm. anything dates this movie, which there's many things that could, but the fact that it all hinges on a floppy disk really, you know, solidifies it. Oh, yeah, I totally get it, what you're all saying about the climax. I was half expecting a clock to be counting down. Right. It's, those, it's the same yeah. thing as like, uh, we have three minutes until the bomb goes off and then like 30 minutes goes by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the one part, my laugh out moment watching it by myself was at the end because it shows the, the three kids slowly making the way to the courthouse. You know, you're biting your, your nails. You're like, oh, they're going to make it. They're going to make it. And there's bad henchmen that are in the courthouse, like outside. They're trying to stop them. They would beat them up. And then security guards would run up and they would just beat them up too. <laughs> just these innocent security guards trying to do their job. Like what's all this commotion? I mean, I'm probably trying to save these children and right. nope, they just get laid out. Well, and, and the security guards aren't like, Hey, why are these children fighting these adult or adults? They're like, we got to get these kids. <laughs> we got to stop these kids. Obviously the kids are the problem. I mean, didn't have they, 15 seconds to be like, we, these guys are attacking us. Please help us. They do establish that the police are in the pocket of evil guy, whose name I don't even remember, just evil corporate guy. Um, so it's it's not implausible that the security staff, you know, who also presumably work for the mayor, who's also corrupt, um, would, so, you know, maybe be collecting their paycheck and trying to murder children. So Which Dot... John Stark from that 70s show is actually the chief of police. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, so, uh, so incredibly Don corrupt. Is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mayor is even like, this is your town, Jack. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, his name was Jack. That's the evil guy. Jack. Yeah, yeah, Jack. But the, like, there's a line, and that, that carries over from the first one as well, when the, the guy said, like, I love being a bad guy. And this one, you have someone being like, ah, oh, the town is yours. Like, you're... You're the the king evil guy here, and we all listen to you. It's like, got it. Thanks. It's true. Uh, I will say to the credit of the actor playing the mayor, I felt like he really slipped in some nuance. Like it was clear that he was being somewhat sarcastic, but trying to let it go under the radar. Like he deserves an Oscar for how he delivered that line. Sure. (laughs) Everyone's kind of quiet. At least an honorable mention. (laughs) Well, this movie movie did get nominated for uh, the... The 1995 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. Stinkers Bad Movie. That's... <laughs> yeah, it it it, uh, it was nominated for worst sequel and the sequel nobody was clamoring for. Is Stinker still a thing? Because that no. makes me laugh. No, <laughs> it, it's it ended back in. Uh, I I I know I never heard of this either, but this it ended back in 2006. So, oh, it's, it's the Razzies now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It didn't. Um, it I think the the Razzies is separate. It didn't turn into the Razzies. That's how that's how entertaining this movie is. We have moved on now to where do the Razzies come from? Uh, we're, we got some other stuff we're going to do before we get to our final thoughts. Before we do that, does anybody have anything we haven't brought up yet? I, I'm sure there's still so much more we could talk about. But anything that anybody wants to mention? We did forget to talk about uh, Tum Tum being uh, sexist. Yes. Tum Tum is so sexist. He maybe we'll deal with that between now and the dystopian future film that I'm envisioning. But I mean, in what in what way? I don't I don't remember. Regale yeah. me with tales of Tum Tum's sexist nature. Well, I mean, some of it's sort of like in a kiddish way, right? It, and is this something that I I felt like we saw a lot when we were children in in media, where like you know boys and girls can't like each other. Like the younger boys definitely think the girls have cooties and, and kind of Which treat they do. them like crap. Which, like, I mean, when I was a young boy, like, I probably did some stuff like that, right? And, like, now as an adult, I'm just like, 
we got like we got to teach our boys better. Like it's just it's not it's not cute. Boys will be boys behavior. Um, so I the, the scene didn't land for me, though I could probably tell that it probably would have, you know, 20 years ago. How old am I now? 25 years ago. There we go. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Corey? I mean, I have a little girl of myself, so I don't want the little boys saying that she's yucky. So I agree with you, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Do, do you have any psych? So that's actually good for bring some psych back into this. Do you have any psychology in terms of the, that behavior or just like the way they sort of build that dynamic in the film? Like the, it's a film about centers around these three boys. And a lot of times you have these very male dominated um, stories where they usually introduce like a token female character, usually different in every film um, that sort of plays off of them. I didn't really even end to that sentence as I was saying it. So I'm just going to let you take it away, Corey, if you have anything insightful there. Yeah. I mean, you can look into the sociology of movie making and the roles that we play in genders and what society deems as normal for boys versus girls and how that has changed over time, which I do think is changing for the better. Uh, typically you can even look at stuff that uh, girls are often, even when we describe their personalities, girls will get the negative connotation of the descriptor word. So for instance, a boy might be seen as a great leader where a girl would be called bossy in that instance, if she showed the same characteristics. Uh, these three ninjas might be seen as brave uh, you know, and doing the right thing and how courageous and you did the things that no, none of the adults could do. But if it was three little girls then it's like, oh, three little troublemakers, you know, mm -hmm. out doing something that they should be doing. So, yeah, just a little bit of sociology there. Yeah. Joe deserved better. She did. Oh, definitely. Joe was. Joe had all the plans. You know? <laughs> it's true. I mean, she's in the, the from the beginning of the film, like they establish her like she's right there on the front lines as her people are being harassed by the, the management company. She's the first one to sort of confront the thugs about what's going on. Um, and, you know, I mean, the boys offer to basically help with the rescuing of her dad. But uh, I mean, I think it was great. It may have made more sense, given the context of how skilled these boys are, that they probably should just rescue the dad right then and there. At the same mm -hmm. time, like it sucks leaving him behind, but it probably also merited some time to plan. And, and in that scene, like she was still a really effective addition towards, you know, rescuing her own dad. But there was a scene like they, they just rescued the dad. Um, and she's like, you know, she hasn't seen her dad in a week. She thought he may have been dead. And they're like consoling each other. And then one of the boys is like, come on, hurry up. We gotta go. Like, I get like the state, like they got to get out of there. But it was also like, it was a really sort of um, not considerate, like, you know, way to address their reunion. Yeah. Yeah. And I got two more little psychological fun facts if you guys want some time for it. Yeah. Feel free yeah. to cut it if you'd like. Uh, so a couple of things that I noticed. Um, for this age group, so the boys are prepubescent, um, probably getting ready to go through puberty. And children that age, between the ages of like anywhere from 7 to 15, their uh, prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking part of your brain, it's right here in your forehead, isn't fully developed. More specifically, the connections, uh, the synapses and connections in your brain between your prefrontal cortex and then your limbic brain, which is more your animalistic brain. Your, if you were to like put your fingers on your ears and go straight through your skull, that's where your limbic brain is. And it's your animalistic, more emotional brain. So that connection isn't really strong at that age. So kids are usually high risk takers at that time. And I think that's why this movie was kind of geared towards, oh, taking risks, taking risks and going and doing the courageous thing. Uh, and often as adults, we want to suppress that uh, phenomenon. We want them to not be risk takers, to think logically, where I would challenge everyone out there who's listening, where instead of thinking about how can you stop young children from taking risk, how can you encourage them to take the right risk mm. or correct risk, things that make the world a better place? Which I think, you know, in Three Ninjas, you know, if I was to defend the movie, at least they were taking risk for the right reasons, right? Sure. And there's also a, the second psychological thing that I found that was interesting in the movie is something called the forbearance, forbearance effect. So that's, uh, I forbid you from seeing that boy ever again, mm. or... Mm -hmm. Uh, the classic ex example is if I told you, know, Nick, David, don't think about pink elephants. What are you like thinking about? Robots. <laughs> pink elephants. 
But pink elephants, the image usually pops into your head because uh, psychologically speaking, we always do what we're told not to do. So you see this a lot in movies where the parent is like, you don't do that. And then the kid goes around and does that exact thing. Mm-hmm. So if you, if the parents out there, uh, don't ever forbid your children from doing something because you're guaranteeing that that's the first thing they're going to do. Well, is that like go. a within reason? Just just so that we don't face any legal consequences, possibly. Is that like a within reason? Like, don't you know? Don't shoot up heroin, kind of thing. <laughs> I would say, I would say. So, how can you think of it on the flip side, like a more positively framed statement? So rather than don't do something, what can you do instead? That's the healthy alternative. Yeah. You're you're talking about educating your children. You know, it's not not trying to hide them away from the realities of the world and society and and how people behave and the things that they do. I'm not going to encourage my kid to shoot a heroin, but I might as well educate them on it, especially the risks. Yeah. Um, Because they might find a way to, I don't know where my kids are finding heroin. I don't have kids. This is going off the rails here, (laughs) but yeah, uh, I'm going to stop talking right now yeah so yeah there's a don't do drugs and also what things do you want to do that don't involve drugs basically yeah because it that's your you know if you're wanting something to relax you know what can you do instead that helps relax and actually does a better job of doing that there you go I think I just said there you go like four times, but that was some great, great advice, some great insight. Thank you so much for sharing that here on the podcast. We have uh, I have two things I want to mention before we, we move on to our, our next segment, just because uh, I, I can't not. And one of them being Malibu Ninja, which, oh boy, I've got like an hour of material on Malibu Ninja, but I, I at least got to mention it. And uh, the second thing is Joe's real name is Crystal Lightning. That's that actress's real name. And that is super rad. Crystal Lightning? Uh, Crystal Lightning is her name. Wow. That is her legal name. That is not a stage name. That is her legal name. Her mother was, was Georgina Lightning. So there we go. But we turned to you, the listening audience. We had a question for you. Because in this movie, the boys, as mentioned before, they're given ninja names based on their characteristics. Rocky is sturdy and strong. Colt is fast. Tum Tum is a black hole of food, I guess. So we asked you to tell us what your ninja name would be. And I'll turn this quick, uh, quickly over to you two. Corey and, and Nick, if you have any thoughts about what your ninja name would be, what characteristic that would be based on, what, what would it be? I can go first. So my podcast is all about curiosity. Curiosity is a big strength of mine. Uh, just something that's always been a part of me. I want to like, Ooh, what's this? What's over there? What's behind that door? So I think I would be the golden retriever. Just a curious, happy, friendly, fun, loving. I'm the golden retriever, golden retriever ninja. I like that. I like Nick, that. any thoughts for you there? What, what I, am I going to be calling you, you from now You told me that about this question, and then I proceeded to forget to actually think of um, a, uh, a ninja name, which gave me a great deal of anxiety. And thinking about myself, I've decided I am now Anxiety Lad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you misunderstood the question still here at the moment. Yeah. No, no, you made yourself a sidekick. <laughs> yes. Listen, if someone can be called Tum Tum, I can be called Anxiety Lad. Sure, sure. Is Nick faced with any like the, like, with like anything? I you just be, break down? Like I would be the brother where I'm just like I get faced with the conflict and I'm like Wah! and I'm like like you know they they accidentally get hit in the balls but I don't actually ever do anything. Like, a good distraction, it's all inadvertent. Exactly. They step on a rake when they're chasing after you. All right, exactly. I'm anxiety lad. That's who I am, David. Who would you be, David? What's your name? Ah, boy, you know, I've even had like 30 seconds here while you were floundering around. I still haven't <laughs> thought up what, I mean, I'm trying to think like what characteristic would, would I use to describe myself. And uh, I don't know, I guess uh, you can't really call me procrastinator. That that doesn't work as a snappy name. I've got one uh, for you. Okay, sure. Do it, do it, do it. Just the water stream. Water stream? You seem just cool and. I'll take it. Yeah, laid back, relaxed, goes he with the flow. Water. He hey, drinks water. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, visual uh, audio medium that we're working in here. But, Could also mean you go to the bathroom a lot, so my apologies for that. <laughs> we, we don't have to get into those habits here. But we'll get to some of our answers now. We post this on social media out there to you listening audience, and here's what you had to say. 
Adi Norman. Hey, Adi. He uh, said, I'd go with painted fists because I can rarely do anything with traditional art stuff and not get it all over my hands. At the very least, those are in parentheses, exclamation point. My sensei would think it is very clever, while my ninja bros would think it's a bit long and just call me PF in the field. Well, as someone also with a two-word ninja name, I don't think it's too long, Adi. So we'll just call you Al then, short for anxiety lad. (laughs) There you go, Al. BJ Guest said, Uncomfortable Conversation is my ninja name. Not sure why. I like that. Have a moment of uncomfortable silence. And Stephanie Melmer, hey, Steph, said, Harry, as in the name Harry, or Harry, as in being, having hair, I whip my ponytail at enemies, legit how I fought my brothers as kids. Yes. Is, is there videos? Like, is there video stuff of of you like whipping your hair back and forth? And we should and, say like, here, he- like helicoptering around, like you knock them over, and then like your hair spins, and you just sort of fly off. Yes, I, I I'm also curious if those exist. We should say that that Nick is not as being overly familiar with an internet stranger. Uh, we we both know Stephanie Melmer. It's my girlfriend. Anyway, that <laughs> is what you all had to say. If you want to participate, we'd love it if you did. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, just follow us on any social media. Hit me one more pod is where you can find us. Now, here's where we ask the question. Is this a movie that stays in the Hall of Memory or is it worth visiting today? Corey, you brought the movie here, so I'll leave it to you to answer first. What do you think? I am glad I revisited it, mostly because I had very faint memories that once I rewatched the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what that's from. However, I would also say for the audience out there, I would give it a big no. No need to revisit this one. I'm happy for me. It's me, not you. Don't watch this movie. Would you um, not, not say like you obviously wouldn't forbid your well, would you forbid your kids from seeing? I know we talked about that earlier, but like, you know, is this a movie that you would actively show your kids? Full, I guess no. that's like the, no, <laughs> no, like heroin. It's like kids, I'm going to educate you on why you would rather do something other than watch Three Ninjas. May I, mean, I present I mean, to you anything else? It would what be an interesting point? time capsule, like time capsule type experience where it's not so bad, but you can kind of show how things and culture was a little bit different Yeah, back when you were a kid. It's true. It's true. Makes but feel like I don't know if the pros would outweigh the cons on that one. There you go. Because then, I mean, the biggest con, I have to sit through it again. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what do you think? Um, pretty much the same. Uh, there, I, like I said, I remember enjoying these films as a kid. Um, there were aspects of the film that, like, it was kind of fun to revisit. Like, it's, it's definitely not wholly bad. However, um, I don't think it's really relevant. Okay, other than some of its uh, messaging, conflict messaging, it's very relevant to today. But otherwise, like, there's better ways for us to to, to handle that stuff now. And I, I think there's if you're gonna spend your life, like, if you're gonna dedicate any time of your life to watching this, I would say hey, don't don't do that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with the two of you. The the fun I had with the movie is in the discussion of it after while actually watching it, it was just a whole lot of oof moments from me all kind of piled into one. So, you know, uh, and I will say this constantly with the first one as well, which I'm sure we will talk about when somebody brings it, but kind of the whole Three Ninjas franchise can maybe just be something we remember. You don't necessarily need to go go back to those. Corey, thank you. Oh, and listening audience, of course, we want to know what you think. Find Follow us on social media. Hit me one more time dot com slash contact for all the ways to contact us. We'll read it here on the show. Corey, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you guys. This was so much fun. Where can people find you on the internet? Should you want to be found? Yeah, that is at facebook.com slash Corey's got questions and it's Corey with an E and also on Instagram at Corey's got questions. And then if you are so inclined listen to the podcast and you can find that anywhere you get your podcast. Again, Corey's got questions. Corey with an E. Excellent. Nick, what about you? You can find me on Instagram at palblamshazam underscore art um, or on Twitter at palblamshazam. I'll also quickly mention that my fiance and I have started our own joint art account 
cool. that currently is just colored versions of art I've already been doing, but that's at, at Babe underscore Chowda. Um, I don't have enough time to remember exactly why it's called Babe Chowder, um, but B-A-B-E-T underscore C-H-O-W-D-A-H. Cool. Excellent. Check that out. And if people want to follow me, you of course can do that under the username Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there in the show. Mentioned all that before. Listening audience, thank you so much for being here. We do this show for you. We do this show because of you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!